Let's give, let's give a hand for our year, 2023. What do you say? It's been a good year here at OCC, and many, many thanks to Heidi Stoller, our worship director, for putting together that highlight reel. There was one thing in there, though, that was far from a highlight. In fact, it was the low light, uh, the longest 30 minutes of my year, perhaps even my life, and that was the dunk tank at our Family Fun Fest event. And just so you know, Tom Ledford, our pastoral care minister, was supposed to be in the dunk tank that day, but he called me a couple days before the event and he said that he was sick. How convenient, huh? He never did provide a doctor's note, but I'm not bitter. Well, um, with it being the last day of the year today, we thought it would be good to look back at some things that happened in 2023. It seems like everybody is coming out with their top 10 list from this year. You know, the top 10 best movies, best songs, best books, best cars, best whatever, you fill in the blank. But as you look back on this past year, what would you say is one of the best moments or memories that you have? I want you to go ahead and turn to the person next to you right now, and I want you to share one thing, okay? You've got 10 seconds, go. Best memory, best moment, 2023. <laughs> All right, time is up. Now, for me, for me, I'm not saying that this was the best moment, although it probably was for my son Noah. But uh, the one thing that sticks out from this past year was Noah going off to college. My wife, Beth, and I are super proud of, of Noah. He's doing well after his first semester. But for those of you that are parents who have been there, um, you know, it's, it's a challenging transition. It's hard to let go. It's hard to adjust to the changes in the relationship. It's all good. It's just different. Well, tonight, as the ball drops in New York's Times Square, we will close the book on another year and start to write a new chapter in the new year. But before we step into 2024, I want us to reflect on the year that was. At the end of the Christmas story in Luke 2, the Bible says this, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Man, she had a lot to treasure up and ponder, didn't she? I mean, all the events surrounding the birth of her firstborn son, who was also the one and only son of God, and who was born to be the savior of the world. I mean, Mary had a few things to contemplate, wouldn't you say? But like Mary, it's good for us to think, to reflect, to ponder what God has done and what he is doing in our lives to think about our relationship with the Lord, to consider how we've grown and, and maybe some areas that still need growth, to reflect on some things that we may have already heard, but maybe we've forgotten and we need to be reminded again. To help us do that today, we're gonna try something different and hopefully it doesn't fall flat on its face. I don't think it did first service, okay? But I have selected three sermon clips from this past year that we're going to show on the screen. I want us to be reminded of some things and also do some reflecting 
before 2023 expires. For some of you who could not be here when these sermons were first preached, this is going to be fresh bread for you, okay? But before we show the first clip, I want us to turn in our Bibles to Matthew 28. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you do not have a hard copy of the Bible, there should be one there on the chair rack in front of you. You can take that Bible home as our gift to you today if you need a Bible. You can also use the YouVersion Bible app on your phone or tablet if you have that with you. Back in July, we did a message series called One Message. We asked our pastoral staff, if you could preach just one message, what would it be? And then we each had an opportunity to preach that message. It was a fun series. I kicked off the series with a message called The Three Chairs, where I had three different chairs up here on the stage that stood for different things. Chair number one stood for commitment. Chair number two was compromise. And chair number three represented complacency. And the challenge that day was for everyone to move to the commitment chair that there would be no more compromise or complacency in our faith. But I started that message in Matthew 28, verse 18. Here's what Jesus said, some of his last words. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me because he is now the resurrected king. If If you rise from the dead, you've got some credibility and authority, right? So all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth And therefore, Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go, and I want you to make disciples. I want you to make disciples of all nations, all people groups. And I want you to baptize those disciples into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then I want you to teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, many of us in this room have heard these words countless times, right? It's known as, as the Great Commission. Basically what it's saying is, as we go about our day-to-day lives, where we live, work, and play, we are to show and share the message of Jesus with everyone that we come into contact with. And, and if they turn to God, if, if they accept Christ into their life or want to do that, we're to baptize them, and then we're not just to leave them just baptized, but we're to teach them. We're to help them to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. And really, the best way for us to do that is to show them through our lives. We also use words, we teach, but really it's our lives that shows them what it looks like to follow Christ. And so those are the marching orders. And this is really the one message, the one message that Jesus has left us with. He's saying, this is what I want your life to be about. This is what I want you to do. I want you to go, and I want you to make disciples. And let me just say here that this is for every single follower of Jesus. This wasn't just for, you know, the original disciples that Jesus chose back in the early first century. This wasn't just for the early church. And this isn't today just for pastors and ministers or really like, you know, mature believers. This this is for everybody. Every single one of us that follows Christ, we are to make disciples. And so here's what I want you to ask yourself. It's there on your message notes outline if you got one on the way in. On a scale of one to 10, 
How engaged were you in making disciples in 2023? I want you to think about that. Now, one would be you never gave it any thought. 10 would be you lived and breathed it every day. Now, if there's anyone here or joining us online that is gonna give themselves a 10 and those closest to you agree, then I wanna talk with you because we need to figure out how to reproduce that as quickly as possible. But here, here are five signs of engagement when it comes to making disciples. First, regular and fervent prayer. Regular and fervent prayer for those around you that need Christ. I mean, your, your heart breaks for people far from God. You have this overwhelming burden that drives you to your knees in prayer. Another sign is regular participation in individual and group Bible study. Uh, are you in the word? Are you hearing from God? Are you being led by the Holy Spirit and applying his truth into your life? Next sign is regular interaction with people far from God. I mean, if we're, if we're gonna make new disciples, we have to rub shoulders with those who aren't disciples yet. And so, do you know and interact with any non-Christian folks? If you're engaged in the mission, you do. Still another sign is regular spiritual conversations with people, the people around you. You look for ways to bring God into the conversation, ultimately the gospel itself and how it's transformed your life. And then a final sign is regular invitations to church services and events like our candlelight Christmas Eve services last Sunday. I know many of you invited because we had over 1,100 people show up over the four services. It was, a, it was a great day. But ask yourself, think about this, how engaged are you in the one job that Jesus has given us? Now, no matter where you rate yourself from one to 10, Think about and identify a next step that you could take in 2024 to be more engaged. Something we started in 2023 was discipling boot camp. Uh, kind of like basic training in the military, we asked ourselves, what is the basic training a disciple of Jesus needs to make other disciples? That's, that's what discipling boot camp is all about. We had 21 people go through discipling boot camp this year. Next year, we want 100 people to go through it. And I think we've got a good plan to do just that. But we want to do everything we can to try to equip every disciple here at OCC to make other disciples. But let's be honest. This is challenging, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's painstaking work. It's definitely not for the faint of heart. Back in September, we had a guest speaker from Johnson University in Knoxville, Tennessee. His name is Dr. Jody Owens. Dr. Owens shared with us something called the cycle of grace. Do you remember that? I hope you do. Here's the image that he shared. This cycle of grace was formulated by two gentlemen, Frank Lake and Emil Bruner in the 1960s. And they did it out of a concern for missionaries who were burning out on the mission field in India. Lake and Bruner were looking for an answer to this question. How can a life of service for Christ be sustained? And for inspiration, 
they looked to the life and ministry of Jesus. I mean, how did Jesus keep his spiritual vitality? And what they discerned was a rhythm or a pattern in Jesus' life that came to be known uh, this cycle of grace. Jesus lived in the cycle of grace, and it starts with acceptance that we are loved by God the Father, that we are his children, that he accepts us, not on the basis of our works, but on the basis of his free gift of grace. Here's Dr. Owens talking about our acceptance and identity in Christ. Listen, friends, your, your identity is not what you do. It is not what you have. It is not what people say about you. And it is not what has been done to you by others. Your identity is not your family history. And your identity certainly isn't your sexuality. In Christ, we are God's beloved. And if we accept that assurance, we can stand against Satan who would have us define ourselves by all those other things. It's what he would love to do. But John, the beloved disciple, says in his first letter, he says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And then he adds, and that is what we are. I think he adds that last phrase because he knows it's hard for us to embrace this truth. And so he says, I'm not kidding. You really are a child of God. And nothing impacts our ability to grow and mature in the faith more than the way we see and understand God and see and understand ourselves. Uh, my great-grandmother was the fam family matriarch. She was all of about five foot nothing tall. But we called her Big Mama. <laughs> you know, you may have somebody, a matriarch in your family like that, right? Because she ruled the roost. And when we would visit with Big Mama when it was time to leave, she would point at us and she would say as we were leaving, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Listen carefully, friends. You are sons and daughters of God. And if we can embrace that identity, grace will flow into our lives and it will change the way we respond to people and to struggle and to temptation and to everything that comes at us in life. When we forget who we are, we fall into dysfunctional ways of thinking and acting and feeling and speaking and living. Acceptance. Jesus knew He was God's Son. And so, as followers of Jesus on this New Year's Eve, remember who you are in Christ and embrace your identity as a child of God. Treasure up and ponder these things in your heart because once we understand acceptance, then the cycle continues to sustenance. This is where we develop habits that allow grace to enter and empower our living. Things like prayer and Bible study, these are sustaining practices. 
And then, flowing out of acceptance and sustenance, we begin to discover our significance or our calling in God's kingdom, which will be unique for each person because God has created each of us uniquely. The result then is fruitfulness because a life rooted in God's love, acceptance, and nourished in life-giving practices, sustenance, and lived purposefully, significance, will bear fruit. And that fruit includes both our character and the impact of our lives on others. And and as I look back over this last year, this cycle of grace was one of those moments, one of those kind of aha moments for me. I think this is such a powerful illustration and orientation for our lives. Jesus lived in the cycle of grace, and as his followers, if we're going to be healthy, effective disciple makers... We must live in this cycle too. Acceptance, sustenance, significance, fruitfulness. Acceptance, sustenance, significance, fruitfulness. Acceptance, sustenance, significance, fruitfulness. It's an ongoing cycle of input and output. And I would contend it's a daily cycle of input and output as God does his work in us and through us. All right, how's everybody doing here on this New Year's Eve? We doing good? Everybody good? All right, we've come to the third and final sermon clip in our highlight reel today, and we've saved the best for last. Corey Whitsitt, our youth minister, preached two Sundays ago. Corey always does a good job, but I thought his latest message was the best he's preached in his time at OCC. I loved his illustration about the Therminator sandwich that he ate at the Thurman Cafe in Columbus a few years back. I looked it up online. That sandwich cost $24.99. It's so big. But I also loved that Corey shared how the youth here at OCC are taking Christ's commission to make disciples seriously. I want you to listen to a story as the Therminator looms large in the background. I I think of Devin Cooper and Trey Mosley. Just a couple weeks ago, Trey got into the baptistry and baptized one of his best friends. A little bit of background into that. A few weeks prior at Element, that's our high school ministry, I gave the challenge. Hey, how serious are we going to be about creating disciples. And I said, if we're serious about this, if if we want to lead other people to Jesus, we got to know how to do it. So if you're wanting, I can take you into the baptistry and I can physically teach you and show you how to baptize somebody, how to take their confession and how to disciple someone. So over the course of two weeks, I was able to get into the baptistry with nine different students. And I've never been more sure of my eternal salvation because I've been baptized 10 times now. (laughs) But I got each one of those students into the baptistry. I taught them how to take the good confession and I made sure 
to separate when you're taking the good confession, when you're getting that person to say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and I accept him. I said, make sure you pause between Lord and Savior. I accept him as my Lord, and I accept him as my Savior, because those are two very different things. It's really easy for us to focus on the benefit of what God is doing for us. God has literally brought us out of the fires of hell and has given us salvation and eternity and a hope for a future with him. That is an amazing thing to focus on. But it's also hard for us to focus on the lordship part. That when you get baptized, you're admitting, Jesus is my Savior. This is what he has done for me. And in return, I am giving my whole life to him. And he is going to be my Lord. And he is going to be my guide. And I am going to submit to him in all things. And after I got out of that, the baptistry with those students and I was talking to him, I gave the challenge. I said, okay, start thinking now. Who are you going to get into that baptistry with? And I asked the question, I said, who's on your heart? And Trey said, Devin, and I'm going to get in there by the end of the month. I said, let's do it. Went back to the teen center. I gave him a, a baptism 101 booklet to work through. And he sat down with Devin and worked through that book. And Trey discipled Devin. He didn't just lead him to a decision. He led him to a life transformation. And it was so cool hearing Daryl talk about Trey, about how they were sitting playing video games. And then Devin paused the game, asked Trey a question. And Trey said, well, let's look it up. Grabbed his Bible, turned, read the scripture, answered the question. Daryl said, they never asked me anything, but he got it right. How cool is that Trey, as a freshman in high school, understands our vision and mission core values here that we want to multiply and we want to make disciples who make disciples. And I pray honestly that we would all be more like Trey and Devin, that we would take the calling seriously and realize that we are still a part of the narrative of Scripture. And so as we head into a new year, I want you to start thinking, who are you going to get into the baptistry with? Who is God putting on your heart? Maybe it's a son, a daughter, a grandson, granddaughter, a niece, a nephew, friend, coworker. But by God's grace, who is one person you could baptize and disciple in 2024? I mean, what if at this time next year on New Year's Eve, we could share and celebrate the story of how God worked in and through you to make one more disciple of Jesus? In 2016, a movie came out called Hacksaw Ridge. It's about a real-life story of a World War II medic, Desmond Doss, a conscientious objector who refused to carry a rifle, Doss found himself in the throes of the Battle of Okinawa with thousands of dying men surrounding him. As his company sounded a retreat, Doss charged back into the black smoke with nothing but a medic pack on his side and a relentless prayer on his lips, Lord, 
Help me get one more. When he found his first survivor, Doss dragged the soldier to the edge of the battlefield and lowered him off the ridge to safety, then prayed again, just one more. And then again, and again, and again. Saving friend and foe alike, Desmond Doss risked his own life to save the lives of soldiers one at a time for 12 hours straight. It is estimated that Doss saved over 75 lives. But each time he ran back onto the battlefield, he had no idea how many he would save in the end. He just knew that one more would be worth it all. And it was. And it is. Friends, who's your one more in 2024? Let's pray together. Father, help us. Help us lead just one more to Jesus, your son. And thank you that we get to be a part of the story you're writing. Help us every day to engage in your mission of making and multiplying disciples. And as we do, Father, we pray that you would pour into us the grace that we need to keep going. Father, we love you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a friend of mine texted me yesterday a screenshot of our glimpse at growth section in our Friday email blast. By God's grace, 29 people have accepted Christ and been baptized through our ministry this year. And in the text, my friend said, we need one more to finish the year. That would give us 30 now, that's not the reason to be baptized today, so we can have a nice even number of 30. But if there is someone here who's maybe been putting off baptism, or you've been putting off a decision to follow Christ and surrender your life to him, why not do it now before the year ends? You can enter the new year with a new relationship with God. And so... I want us to stand right now. I want us to sing a song of response. And if you'd like to accept Christ today and be baptized, I will be up here to receive you. Let's, let's stand and sing.